Welcome to the Bangover Podcast anniversary episode today. Yes, uh, so fucking excited to do this. Uh, probably if I had to pick one album out of all the albums we've talked about or done episodes on before, this is it. A fucking Relationship of Command at the drive-in. So fucking great. It was released uh, September 12th. 2000 2000 that always feels weird to say so making this album 19 years old and as always i'm scott allen i'm with chris myers and a super fan today justin mcirvin hey 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 and um obviously we wanted justin in here because uh well for me i i know this album from you we've all like rotated your copy between our group of friends like if you could wear out a CD, is that possible? Can you wear oh, out a CD? Oh, no, that one was wore out. Like, oh, it was towards the end, maybe the last few tracks didn't even work. That was just, just scratching. Kept, yeah, kept yeah. going, kept going, kept going. Damn. I mean, that went from book to book to book. I didn't even purchase it originally. It was loaned out to me, and I loaned it out to y'all, and it made kind of the group circle numerous times. I don't even think I have it in my case. No, I think I might have it. Yeah, someone no. else does. Uh, I think Ryan actually reclaimed or got his own definitely got his own version for yeah. sure well it's one of the cds i should just i've listened to you so many times but i should buy it like just to have it on my shelf just to really because huh. it's that you album that to buy music anymore man <laughs> anytime we talk about this album me and justin if we just bring up a song to each other or like hum something we have to we are like obsessed with it it's like fuck fuck you now i have to go yeah. listen to this entire album for goddamn days for days it will stick with you for a while and then the only thing that keep like stops you from listening to it is just you kind of like forget and then you're reminded again you know what i mean like after two weeks you just forgot <laughs> something new comes along it fades yeah. out of memory for a second and then so then they're humming along yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you son of a bitch the cycle it's, starts it's all I, over again. I really when we were picking out songs even like we i was at so much conflict i was like can we just shut the fuck up and play the whole album because i think that's probably what we should do um, I, uh, man, how do you say the name of that first song we just listened to? Our, <laughs> Best of luck. Carisonal. <laughs> this whole episode is going to be just mispronouncing names. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Again, me showing up on fucking band names you cannot pronounce, songs that will not be said. <laughs> exactly. We'll just say track one. Let's just say track one. Uh, it does, so, the album starts off insane. Um, uh, just so hard hitting so hard hitting and it doesn't stop it really doesn't stop at all not one song i think there's like a couple of slow songs but they always ramp up to insanity at the yeah end. even there's their slow songs build incredible fucking like yeah. quick and they stay with it. it's captivating there's not one song on this album you ever get to and you just want to skip over it you know what i mean there's so many great not great now. albums out there yeah. not ever for me for me you it know? was like just one arm scissored yeah, and i just couldn't get into the rest of it because like some of the stuff is like the courses for instance were just too light-hearted and i was like such a metalhead to where like i can't really but kind of like i don't know getting more into different styles of music as i get older because this is like in high school i'm very stubborn at this point you know it's like it's not fucking corn i don't give a fuck kind of thing and uh really like this album just grew on me like moss. It just, uh, I feel like how um, well, you Queens of Stone Age, like clockwork, it just grew so hard on me to where it's like every song now, every song, yeah. all, it's, it's one of the, my recirculating albums. But you also felt the same about the Mars Volta. Yeah, exactly. So I was curious, did you have the same feeling with Sparta or did you ever really listen to Sparta? I listened to a couple of Sparta songs and just, uh, 
Not my thing either, no. right? Yeah. It was like all the, the parts I didn't like from uh, at the drive-in was Sparta. You know what I mean? Like all the things that I don't really care about, like some of the course courses in this uh, album or just like, oh, that's probably my least favorite part yeah, of the song, which is crazy. Yeah, the balls and like the craziness that like Omar and Cedric brought exactly, to the fucking band. Exactly, that too. I, I love the drummer. I love the bass player. to Mars Volta, like so hardcore. Yeah. Was, I like them right out of the gate. You but. know, it, it kind of feels like uh, we'll we'll try to, what let's, let's just get through it. Let's talk about these members' names. Obviously, we all know Cedric. Cedric Blixer. You got Omar Rodriguez. Omar Rodriguez, Jim Ward, Paul Hinosa, or Hinojos, and Tony Hajar. Fuck their last names. But to be honest, I have a very fucked up last name too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hence why I go by Alan. Brolet is... Scott B. Scotty B, for sure. If we were doing an episode, like someone did an episode on me, they'd be like, how the fuck do you say this guy's last name? For sure. But you guys, fucking well, so common. Last whatever. Name. You can't even McIrvin. pronounce mine. Every, you did there, but every single other time I've been <laughs> on there. Like Mac Irvin? Yeah. <laughs> that's Mick how I always Mick Irvin? Mac. Big Mac? Yeah. Uh, there's no goddamn A in my fucking name. <laughs> Drop that shit. All about mispronouncing someone's names. That's what I'm really good at. Uh, Chris, what was like, um, how did you find this? Skate videos. Another band Another consumed skate video. through skate videos or just hearing them. In, uh, but that's how Justin found it as well and just went out to get this album because of a skate video. And you guys no. were trying to think of it, right? No, it wasn't No, right? I found it because of skate video. We couldn't figure out what fucking skate video it was. We were thinking maybe 411, something like that. But from there... Me and someone else hanging out way back, like sixth grade. Oh, shit. Like, borrowed this from someone's older brother because it had the track from the skate video. And then, like I said, I took it on and then. And it wasn't even One Arm Scissor on that fucking track. No, no, it wasn't One Arm Scissor. What song was it? It was. Invalid? Yep, Invalid Litter. Department. Oh, that's such a weird song to pick from this to put on a skate track. Well, but again, nothing's bad on this exactly. album. Exactly, no, and nothing. that's actually yeah. the very first riff I ever learned on guitar was that little bam, 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 bam. Uh, he's such a wacky guitar player. A lot of this album is out of tune. Fucking insane shit. A lot of this. Like, the panning on it is weird too. Yeah, it is weird. We, we'll weird. totally get more into that, but uh, I thought we should just like, you know, kind of start off with why we fucking love this band yeah. so much. Well, I mean, like for me, it went from this and like. A lot of the people I was hanging out with them really didn't enjoy this album or didn't like that I enjoyed this album. It's like, you know, people were being stubborn and like that it's age fucking it's high hard. school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like I, I definitely really, Exactly. And I wanted to like broaden my horizons. And it was actually this album, oddly enough, that brought me into like I had this, borrowed it, and then I went out and bought like Wu Tang Clans and the thirty sixth chamber and then from that into like Rage Against the Machine, Battle of Los Angeles. It was just... Because you were taking a chance or these things you heard on prior skate videos? No, I was just taking a chance because like people were like, oh, if you like that album, oh. you might want to check out this or you might want to check out that. It's weird that we like, got it really, <laughs> really opened it up for like my musical genres and like what I was listening to at the time. True. I mean, it went from like, you know, if it's old stuff, that's all I listen to, man, with a fucking tape deck to like... Okay, new stuff's not bad. To like, okay, I like rap. Okay, I like rap metal. Okay, I like, I like everything. I mean, I think everyone here has a very wide taste in music. There's Without a, a doubt. Things. Yeah. 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 I mean, I still get the trope of being the metalhead. It's like, you like this? You know, like I, 
I'm like tapping my foot to a pop song. And they're like, you like this song? Yeah. I thought all you listen to is metal. It's like, I listen to the hardest music to listen to in the world. So therefore, I think I'm more experienced to listen to everything else. Because if I can get in on this, I could definitely get down with that. You know what I mean? That's a really this is great way to looking at it. Too. I'm listening to Cannibal Corpse. Like, I, I start to understand what he's saying. I'm like breaking it down mathematically scaled. So when I listen to hip hop, I'm like, it's just fun to have a groove. It's just fun to like, this just feels good. I like the way things sound yeah. more than anything else. Well, not like, styles of music for sure. Speaking of our influences though, this album's influences are oh. insane. Oh. Like, dude, it does not stop. You have so many different genre mixing going on to this album. Like everything from hip hop to like kind of really like you know, setting the guitar style like, up, yeah, setting that hardcore genre up for the future. Uh, this album definitely did. This band yeah. definitely did. You know what I mean? And or the whole emo thing. Like a lot of people think that this album spawned off emo. Like a I, lot I of people believe that. Yeah, it spawned off a lot of things. To be honest, anyone that was influenced by this album and yeah. went on and did something that became a successful band. You know what I mean? Exactly. But the greatest thing about this album is it has so many influences and then so many different genre bending inside of it that if you listen hard enough, you can be like, oh, it started just about anything. You know, there's just too much. Like, like I said, dude, there's fucking flamenco guitar riffs in there where he's just going off on these crazy weird tangents and really built a lot of the foundation for like. I don't know. I want to call it noise rock that like came after with that the drive in. I mean, with the Mars Volta, but like you know, more of those like soundscapes that they're like building and like each instrument is doing its own thing interactively of the group. And when you put it all together, it's beautiful. You know. Yeah, these it are feels like, like that's where they're really starting to hone those skills. It's a lot of really good musicians that all have their own opinions, and somehow they kind of got all those opinions under one yeah or just even one song their own I mean? styles yeah thank god which is kind of crazy in my mind to like uh obviously this for me it's like magic captured you know what i mean like them going in the studio and it's just like they captured something that will be remembered for forever yeah forever and ever even like even if we die you know what i mean like well there's yeah. gonna be someone that's gonna listen to this album like fucking 50 years from now and be like holy it, shit critically you praised know? man i mean like i mean you it's on so many lists like when it came out oh, dude, didn't really like, have that much of a great response like it got 77 on metacritic but then over time has grown on to being like one of the most um what was it the 500 greatest metal and rock albums of all time it's on that list of all fucking time you well, know I, yeah i definitely like, put it there there's a the lot of fucking metal and rock out there. I know. You know? And that's that's a short list when you're thinking about all the music. This is this could be one of my fucking <clears throat> desert albums, for, to be honest. You know what I mean? Uh, Without a doubt. Yeah. Desert Chris, Island Do you for feel life. the same way that me and Justin feel about this album? Like, insanely, like, in say, love with it? I mean, I'm not insanely. I'm probably not coming from that same perspective because I didn't enjoy the whole album quite at when y'all were probably, you know what I mean? At that yeah. extent, I was just hearing, like, song here, song there. But later on listening to the whole album and like youth you know that's where it i would get my my fondness for mars volta and that omar sort of sound and uh so you did more of a backtrack like you were into the volta and then you were like oh digging further back into the previous catalog i think like <clears throat> when i got in yeah because i think 
think like Mars Volta was probably the first thing I like got into as far as like them as a duo, like that sound. And then it was like, oh, okay, at the drive-in isn't Mars Volta. That's a previous band that was, you know what I'm saying? The same dynamic. Yeah. Though, those but it, I mean, it's the same sounds, same singer. So yeah. it's like same guitar player. You're going to oh, like, yeah. there's going to have the same a little bit almost. toned down, but yeah. very much the same. Like the foundations are getting built. And if you go back and listen to any of the other previous at the drive-in albums, it's nowhere near on the scale and that just might be from popularity and actually getting enough together to have like a fully produced album like you'd like but this is the closest one in their catalog that comes to be what like you know would later be the mars volta so what right. mars volta album was that that really got you going i think it was that uh battleman goliath it's no, so good i can't wait for an episode yeah. on that one. Oh, dude that yeah rock hard over here baby I can't remember it literally can make me more drunk at times because I'll listen to it on headphones when I'm like kind of drunk and wasted and I'm like oh I'm getting nauseous from this shit dude I remember when I got that album and I came home with I think me and you were actually CD shopping and when I came home I put it on me and Scott were roommates at the time still talking about that Mars Volta album yeah Bettleman and Goliath and I came home and I put it on and like Scott was in the other room and came in and was like what the fuck are you listening to? God damn. But at that time, I didn't even like this album too much. No, no. You know? and like, One Arm Scissor, yes, obviously, because it's yeah. such a catchy song. And like, it was all over our radio stations here, especially because it's a band from, uh, you know, fucking El Paso. Like, Without the, a doubt. Yeah, fuck yeah, Austin's yeah, going to be like, we're going to treat, yeah, treat it like it's our own. Yep. You know what I mean? Just Texas, all encompass Texas, Texas, Texas. It's weird. It's like the Pantera. Texas thing is too. so fucking giant, but yeah. really not that many great, great bands coming from the area. Hmm. I mean, Pantera, Butthole yeah. Surfers, you know, at the drive-in. But I mean, like, it's just Austin, it, Texas. Yeah. Name fucking five giant Austin, Texas bands. Can't do it. Can um, you? The Big Boys, The Sword, um, The Jesus Spoon. Lizard. I'll go ahead and put the butthole servers in there too because they started. They no, started here. You can't put no, the butthole no, 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 They started no, no, no. here. They started and moved to San Antonio like and then like moved to Detroit. Janis Joplin. Like, yeah, she got famous but no, here. He, but they actually started the start band here in Austin I mean, and left because it's. Just I guess if you're gonna, you could accepted. throw Stevie Ray in there. Stevie throw, Ray yeah. and that so would that's be. Five. Yeah, but those last two are contested, sir, for sure. I don't even think the big boys are that here. big of a band, but just they are to There's me. There's that yeah, that thirteenth floor elevators or whatever they're called. Hey, Boom. Watch your gut. Just nailed mouth, it right man. there. Yeah. Rocky Erickson for life. Yeah. Exactly. So well, uh, Austin's probably like some of the best music, but you know Dallas has a lot of great bands that came out of Dallas. I mean, it's got good music, but when you're talking about people who've like broke from Austin, it's, there's no like comparing like to other major yeah, music other cities. Exactly. Cities, especially being a music town, it always struck me as weird that Austin just really doesn't put up like Tennessee, Nashville, yeah. you know, like it's, it, it is kind of weird. I don't know what it is, but some of my favorite bands of all times, uh, the Jesus Lizard for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So God damn, you let yeah. me know when y'all are doing that episode on any of the albums. I'll definitely let you know, huh. but I let's go ahead and um, get into a little bit, throw this paper away into a little bit of like the history and then we'll get back into the songs because that's why we're here. So, At The Drive-In was an American rock and roll band from El Paso, Texas, formed in 1999. Uh, releasing, what, five EPs and three studio albums before breaking up in 2001. Very brief history here. There's a lot of stuff to go into. Like, you could go into, like, they went to school together. 
the member lineup is insane in this band. But the lineup that we have for Relationship is uh, the same one from their third album, which is In Casino, I believe. So um, that's kind of where it stuck with, with Jim Ward just, you know, joining in. Um, yeah, so what, how many yeah. total members has this band had? It was like, what? Eight past members plus the, like, core three? Or is it four? Core three? Yeah, the members that started and stayed through. Oh, yeah. It was three or four of them. I, I think it's... Oof, it's hard to tell. Because I know Jim Ward, he's a past member. That's what they consider him as. Yeah, but he was also the guy that like joined the album in Casino. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, dude, so you say a lot of band or a lot of members. Back, yeah. Like, That's like 13 people. Yeah, they. It's one of the things when you first started reading about this band is like uh, throughout many member changes, but really sticking with I believe Omar and, um, oh yeah, Cedric. The, you know the I mean? fucking dynamic duo of fucking yeah. sound. Uh, I don't know about like drummers, how many different drummers they have, but it feels like this drummer and this bass player have been here for a while too. Yeah, you know I mean, but you know, this is like um, up to this album, it's kind of crazy. Only six years, you know, very short lived career. Mm-hmm. Like even forming at this time and getting to where they're going, you know? Uh, so much stuff happened in that time of record labels, just like really shitty to them, or signing to like really bad deals. Uh, just not, you know, the struggles of being a musician to work your way up to the top. It wasn't until this album to where they actually became a successful rock and roll band. Yeah, and that's also what I was saying when I meant the whole, you know, I felt like this album is more closely to the sound that they wanted to put out or the sound they were hearing in their heads than any other album and i think that's probably to do with like actually getting a proper producer mixer and going in with actual studio time you know yeah because don't get me wrong those other at the drive-in albums are not bad and that's not what i'm saying but i feel the same with this just like devo are we not men like this is kind of the peak and where devo kept going like they peaked and then ended with this you know what i mean yeah and there's multiple reasons why um just i know like uh jim ward and um omar just really didn't get along at times because they're both main songwriters hence why sparta sounds like the other half of at the drive-in and you know mars volta sounds like the crazier part it's just really stripped down all three of those members bass player fucking tony paul and fucking jim all went off to do sparta and the craziest thing when they got back together in 2016 right to release their newest album at the drive-in um jim didn't come back to the band but they got the other guitar player from sparta to jo- isn't that the craziest thing That's weird. yeah that is insanely crazy Keely's davis it's yeah. almost it's like as insane as <laughs> you not going to the at the drive-in show i gave you a ticket for well it was a copy mm. of a copy of a ticket and if that guy showed up uh, you know he would have oh. been fucking i probably wouldn't have gotten in and Oh, you just had to show up like six hours early. Fuck that guy. And you had a ticket to that to drive in that neither of us went to. So shame on us both. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully where do be they back play? They're playing Stubbs, man. Uh, yeah. Fucking Stubbs. I was just worried that like I would get all that effort and get to the door and be like, uh, this has already been scanned. And be like, just run past them. Now, son, I'm in. <laughs> Come on, man. You got to let me in here. Come on. I mean, you um, could always climb that hill. Yeah. I was just, I was blown. <laughs> I was like, wait, so they left and created Sparta, but then when coming back, just grabbing a different member in Sparta to come. 
is, <laughs> like you just saying all those things really makes i need to go back and give sparta a second shot i'll try but i don't know do you do the sparta at all no see the drummer is so Fun good the bass player is so good you know yeah. I mean, like well, to like hear that i'm on other, other things half. i really think you know mm-hmm. that it could be some awesome shit but Jim, you know, like all those backing vocals right. on this, that's all Jim singing that backing. So What's you this? assume that's what Sparta's going to sound like. That's crazy, right? though, that, I mean, all of that said, and then the, that new album debut or becomes more, I guess, higher in the charts and more, more, acclaimed, more than, acclaimed than this one. Which it doesn't, I think, I don't know where people are getting that. I think that might just be, uh, like... Oh, fuck what's the right words but just the people that are in control of stuff like that like uh really saying like oh at the drive-ins back like this album's uh, super great or whatever and just kind of holding them to a very high higher standard than i think that's kind of you know what i mean like really putting uh at the drive-in on a pedestal and i feel like hey dude at they the fucking deserves to be on a pedestal well, what but year they did hate that, that, year shit. Did that album, they hate the that shit you know what i mean 2016 they hate stuff like that where like people are like too boasty and like about it or was it 18 they'll just they'll rather just like fuck we're dumb over popularity is like what they really don't like you know well yeah they're definitely private people living private lives and i think that's a lot of the reason with the whole um oh it's 2017 uh I won't even try. Enter uh, Leah. I love that album. It's good. Fucking A. It was really good, and I'm so glad it was that good because, you know, you got to worry when bands take so long on hiatus and come back to do another album. Is it going to be anywhere? That's also one of the most interesting. They released Relationship of Command, their biggest, most acclaimed album, and then Permanent Hiatus. Yeah, and but I, I believe sure I have like a couple of theories, yeah, yeah, of how we got there. But I sense, you know, we're kind of like done with a little bit of the gush part because I feel like we get to sit here and talk about like how much we <laughs> oh, actually love this. Uh, let's play another gushing song. for days. Yeah, right. in my pants. And right, what song are we gonna do? Because I can't read any of these. Guys. Invalid Litter Depot. This was your pick. Yes, and this is another song I think that is an escape video or something. I no, this, this, this is the is one. It. This is the this one. Is the, okay, this the is the song. One. How yeah. he was in. I mean, I think there. We were looking through that list too. There was a bunch. Yeah. Of, they've used oh, a bunch of for songs, sure, man. So. Like, the whole fucking album you can use for whatever <laughs> you want, dude. <laughs> you use anything right there, except buddy. for one arm scissor. Like we shouldn't even just shut oh it off. God. We'll just play all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, let's check it out. Last of the pips, polyester satin nail jewelry lips. 
again. And the paramedics fell into the wound like a rehired scab at a bareheaded plant. An anesthetic penance beneath the hail of contraband.
corpses ashes uh when i first heard that song i wasn't really the biggest fan of it because it starts off so slow you just you need patience you need time to like sit there and like wait for where it's going you know like Shame. give it time because Shame it, on you. for me it's just like how fugazi is like if i'm like looking for something particular i'm switching around trying to find a song i'm like no not that one. no not that one. dude no, that's that one, you know that's actually a but really brilliant comparison like if i was going to compare them to another band any fugazi any one the of best. their contemporaries that are an actual contemporary fugazi might be the only one i could even think of that yeah. would be on the same level yeah and Fugazi was like crushing it this entire time before this album even came out. You know, thirteen songs. I mean, thirteen songs is actually kind of a crazy thing because it's it's two demos slammed together, hence the name Thirteen Songs. Not making it their first album. Yeah, can't actually call it their very first album. Repeater is. Well, fuck. Yeah, I do like Repeater too. Uh, look, well, Speaking of skate videos, skate video songs like Fugazi. Goddamn. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can kind of like hear the resemblance in the way they even write songs in this wacky form, you know? Um, I was uh, listening to a breakdown of the one arm Scissors song on a YouTube video, and the guy was like showing you the guitars. He was like, left guitar, right guitar. Like each guitar is planted for each side of the ear. Mm -hmm. That's how they panned it. And they were both like, it's untuned the entire time. It's like detuned guitars. And you listen to it by itself and you're like, this kind of sounds weird. Well, and then add in the bass, add in the second guitar, add in yeah. the drums, and it all comes together. But More just hearing the guitar rip by style, itself, yeah, it was just not weird. total soundscaping. And not just that, it's weird that you say that. I never realized that. You know, I always walk around with headphone in. I always only have one in at a time. Oh, that sucks on something like this. Well, yeah. So yeah. like certain things like, tool for instance like you can't do that because of the panning yeah like if things are too dynamically panned out where like you're not getting anything from one part of it like can't do it but this the way it's mixed you really don't notice too much of a difference like you'll know that there's certain parts missing or coming in and out but as far as like it just totally being absent or you're not able to listen to the album with one headphone because of the panning it's not the case so who did the mixing on this and producing? Like, because that well, is an incredible. The reason why this job. album is so legendary is partly to do with some legendary producers and engineers. Uh, Rick Robinson, who we mentioned in our corn episode, uh, did a, like a lot of corn. Ross Robin. Oh, I'm sorry. Ross Robinson, oh, correction, who um, didn't do Follow the Leader, the only album he didn't produce, but he sat there and worked with Jonathan Davis, uh, Jonathan Davis to get this vocal style he was like coaching him to try to one of his quotes is saying he he loves to get the best performance from a singer something that he can never do again like never recreate like and he really pushes for a vocalist on his albums to do something that they didn't even think they could do huh. like really push the 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 abilities of their vocal style and then working with them to like this was going to sound a little bit better than that kind of thing, you know? And you can hear it. You can well, hear do you feel that Omar's in, vocals got pushed to those levels on this album? I totally believe it. Like, for I sure. Mean, because in previous albums, um, Omar, uh, Cedric, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, um, his vocal styles, like, you can tell where he what he was trying to do, but he was kind of held back, you know? He didn't really unleash every weird part of him and his dynamics and vocals until in Casino. Yeah. which is really blowing up. And the funny part about In Casino is one of our favorite like cult bands is uh, Fudge Tunnel, right? And they were having a problem with like, uh, well, so <laughs> Fudge Tunnel always had a problem with 
getting someone to produce their sound. They're they're a weird band. Uh, some would say like how I would put Fudge Tunnel is what Nirvana was trying to sound like, but Fudge Tunnel did it dead on when it came to that grunge sound. Like, and they're from fucking Sweden. But um, huh? Nothing wrong with Sweden, but so yeah, because of that, like finding it so hard for someone to produce or mix and engineer a Fudge Tunnel album. The uh, guitar player, uh, who we know from like Nail Bomb and stuff, uh, I'm at a loss with his name at this moment. Was it Nick Alexander, Alex, Alex Newport, Alex Newport. So he learned how to be an engineer. He started just working on equipment. Like one of the famous quotes was that um, he got in this huge argument with the engineer and the engineer just walked out on one of their recording sessions. So he went behind the board, Alex, and just started turning knobs and was like, does that sound good? Does that sound good? But he came up with this trick uh, that he does on all his mixes where he double mics everything. So two, two as it's recording on like, if you did a kick drum, two mics on the kick drum, two on everything. And it's just to make this fat fucking layer. Well, so yeah, that was yeah. gonna say, isn't don't most people do like doubling and stuff like that? Period. It's something so how why he would did two it. Mics add into that, Chris. I, I don't know really. Like you would know this, right? The two mics. Yeah, it's like they're capturing the two mics, so it's the same performance but with the two different tones. Oh, instead of having instead you redo of, it and instead then of two performances it. with the same tone. You know, and then doubling those, yeah, that we're not be, just double. Like, yeah, do you, I mean, it, you can well, double yeah. it to thicken it, and then there's doubling it to like have the two Layer. different performances where it kind of goes right. off each other. Yeah. That's what they do with more vocals, right? So you have a harmony. So you have like those layered performances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's something that he said. Uh, that's how he would just do it on all his mixing. He it, didn't work yeah. on this album, though. No, what he did was one song on. In Casino. Oh, out. okay. And it was a song that they couldn't get mixed. For whatever reason, they just kept trying, kept trying, and just couldn't fucking get it mixed. And um, just him, like, having this, like, weird ability to record such weird bands because their other albums were really hard to record, too, because that's why they were all live. And this one being the actual first studio album because of the separation. They've never did that with any other recording before. So they had Alex come in to just mix and master. And then what he did was make... Uh, uh, Cedric overdo his takes with that microphone that you see him with all the time now and that's how they got that's where he created half of his vocal style was Alex Newport showing him like oh you have this like really broad range you should really like use this uh, different type of microphone to capture what sound that you're projecting from your throat and ever since then yeah it was just like Oh, that's what he's always used that's the technique that he always went with so you're not talking about like the kick around mic right like if anybody's ever watched their music videos, <laughs> that dude does some incredible. It's the one that's mic taped trips. up, and he uses it for the Mars Volta as well. Ah, yeah, that well, one. that's what my point was when you're talking about Ross Rubin. Was is he really being pushed Ross to his vocal? Robinson. Ross Robinson. <laughs> is he really being pushed to his vocal extremes? Where after this, like, if anything, I feel like it might open the door for him. But like his vocal tendencies his strengths and like what he is capable of doing really begins to shine in the volta you know what i mean oh like, for sure but it's that's vocals are here for sure incredibly yeah. i mean uh, ross had like some pretty unique ways of getting like the performances out of people so like you know he would torture jonathan davis for the corn sessions like, like he would literally leave the torture. studio crying jonathan davis would be and then you'd have uh, other people, you know, recounts where he would throw pots at them, 
And this is all, so his technique of getting these performances would be like him being in the studio with the musician. He's not in the control room as yeah. the producer, you know. That's he's in odd, the room. Right? He's moving around. He's thrashing. He's pushing the guitar player. He's acting. He's getting that real visceral experience. Some crazy shit, dude. Yeah. Does that yeah. happen often with producers at all? Not, he's I mean, known to, for this. He's like, yeah, so that's how he, you know, he would throw things at people. I would and get be kind of like, weirded out if I was in a room trying to like focus and lay down my <laughs> yeah. art. But that's some asshole yeah. standing next to me. That like, I think what he's trying to do is break that focus that you're trying to get. You're trying yeah. to be focused on a, the best performance you he, can do, but that's not what you should be laying down. He you should be laying down pure raw emotion, yeah. not calculated, not scripted. Come out with it just the way you think it yeah. should sound. Stop trying to plan everything out. Just do. Just be. He you. Would, he would take the ba the bass player. On try on great. drives around to get him pumped like Malibu. Up. Oh. He would get him like in his SUV, yeah. just like hauling balls to get his adrenaline like yeah. pumped. So he would go in and like start recording. He got the like bass player, took out. him out there, and was like, no. huh, "This but, is your training this, day, sir." This yeah. uh, <laughs> the studio has like that. a really interesting <laughs> like history because of how it's like it's new metal past. It's like facilitated every new metal album. Pretty much the whole genre has kicked out. So what studio is it? Uh, Indigo Ranch. Yeah, and yeah. this has so been the studio for all yeah. new metal, and Pretty. it was also the studio they did this in. And yes. Ross, Indigo Ross Ranch. Robinson did Slipknot and other albums like yeah. Cold Chamber and stuff like that. So Ooh. he's known as the godfather of new metal. So like the vocal things, yeah. that that makes sense yeah. with Slipknot. And right, yeah. This, totally. this place Taylor is pretty historic it when it comes to like I don't know. Uh, just I didn't, in the research is like crazy how it's it's almost like a. Uh, Rick Rubin type thing besides him being the producer like uh and him just, Ross working with Rick Rubin all yeah. the time. I, oh. So it's like it, the studio was founded by this guy um let's see and Andy I, Wallace Kaplan. Like, I, all three of these people Andy Wallace, Rick Rubin, Ross Robinson just everywhere yeah. everywhere. You want to know a fun fact about fucking Andy Wilson Wallace? Fucking uh Who is Andy Wilson? So Wilson? he was the, Wilson Wilson <laughs> Wallace, right? Yeah. Andy Walsh. Uh, so literally in 2005, he was yeah. like recognized as having over but, 80 million records that have his name on it. Oh, wow. 2005 was 80 million records has his name on it worldwide. That's insane. His that's, name is on more records than anyone else in the entire world. That's beyond world. insane. So who is he to this album? The engineer. Okay. Which uh, was Ross the, would be the producer in there. Like he's he was the saying, mixing engineer. So. Oh, mixing engineer. Yeah. I'm not sure the difference. <laughs> yeah, you had like your assistant engineers <laughs> and like about track, right, right, tracking right. engineers oh, and yeah. then your mixing and mastering engineers. And the panning, stuff like that. So, like all yeah, that's I guess not they left really, to just one person. So all of that is, yeah, that's Andy's doing. The whole panning thing we were hearing. So if we're talking about oh, all it's fucking fantastic the how background this crew. Why don't you give us a rundown on who they are and, you know, we've yeah. already went through a few of them. Who else did background work on that? Um, so you got Zach Gertis doing assistant engineer with Kevin Bosley. Andy Wallace mentioned doing the mixing. Eddie Schreier doing the mastering. And uh, you got Chuck Johnson being the head engineer with Ross Robinson producing. And some of these people and, aren't accredited, like as in, yeah, like, like they you have just their own said, Wikipedia with, page. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what you? What's his name? The guy, New Metal. 
Ross, Ross? Robinson. Yeah. Okay, the guy you were talking about other than that. Andy? I'm sorry. I, I just <laughs> I do not know these guys at all. I so background yeah. stuff is something I just don't I mean, know, but I I'm very interested in it. That as we were saying we could do a a whole episode just on Ross. I could do a whole episode oh, yeah. just on Andy. We could we can make them two parters. I mean for God's sakes, the amount of work and stuff oh, that they did is 80 insane. million, bro. That you want to be the entire podcast. Yeah, yeah. You just drop all this bullshit <laughs> and just so, focus yeah, on right? him. <laughs> Fucking A. Dude, um, one of the fun facts that you always hear about this album particularly is that this is the pivot point. This is the change in the time and where we go after this in rock and roll, in just music in general, especially like popular music at the time. It changes everything. And essentially, it killed the new metal genre. Once this came out, people thought, heard that there was a different way of getting something. You know, like, this is new. Yeah. And that's what all this new metal was. This was actually was. his new. first. This is new. This was his last session. He killed his own genre. At, at Indigo. Really? This was he the last album his own he genre. actually did there. Wow. Which is, he did all this the all new metal poetic. stuff, yeah. and then he does this album that's technically looked at as the death of new metal. Yeah, well, yeah. And he did it, hardcore. And it was the last thing he did at the, the studio. Stuff, but. <laughs> that's super poetic, though. Well, uh, glass what's crazy, jaw being the other. You know, this oh, shit God, was fucking recorded in just seven weeks? Yeah, that's crazy. Whoa! Yeah. And then, like, immediately well, jumping onto so, a Rage Against Machine right Yeah, that's the con. There's a bit of controversy because he left indigo because of the working conditions apparently there was a lot of drugs and a lot of just party oh it wasn't him throwing pots and pans at people no <laughs> but seeming like I mean, that's gonna be like i thought insurance he meant flower this, pots or like the, the, bags of pots the, the scenario yes. that ross w- walked into though like when he first started working there and and i'm like all of this lends to this album because he you know this is the end of his work right and so he walks into this album, this studio that is on the brink of disaster. That's literally there's like shit piled in the in the control room. There's no room to work. All the people that are associated with it are passing on, yeah, passing away, and the main owner is alive and trying to keep it going. And they're getting you know they're trying so, to get all these bookings in. You ever seen it highlighted and, in red before? Something on Wikipedia. And yeah. so this record label is highlighted. He comes in reason. here and he does Korn's debut album right. here. No. Well, that, and that's, that just means not completely edited and uh, done right. I like, just I couldn't find out a lot about it because there wasn't a link. You know what I mean? So what were you saying? So what got the studio up and running was he came in with Korn and did their debut album there. And, and this was what year? Oh, 90 something you know early indigo 90s. ranch yeah indigo ranch you know so he goes there with corn does this whole album everybody's listening to it every you know deftones I want oh that so sound. the first Fucking, oh yeah the first corn album yeah the first yeah, corn yeah. Album. self-titled and then what deftones did he do was it adrenaline or was it um, it was adrenaline quiet. so yeah he's working with them uh all of these people in the new metal are hitting him up slipknot he, you know they all want to work they with want him. that sound yeah and, and well i mean it took over the world you it know? did like yeah. MTV back then, that was like all the videos you had. It was like TLC, and then that was like your pop stuff, and then Papa Roach, and like yeah. repeats and repeats and repeats. And he took over this studio that had all this gear from this guy that had been, a, this guy Kaplan was a collector. And every time he, you know, the story was every time he had money in his pocket, he'd spend it. And he'd spend I think it you on mean gear. The proper word <laughs> like, hoarder? So, like, yes. what? 
Like we're talking gear from Abbey Roads. He had apparently Paul McCartney's favorite tube mic at his studio, which was like apparently worth $18,000. He had custom built preamps. He had a 30 channel custom board, uh, API board. I mean, we're talking the best Marshall amps. We're talking, this guy had all the gear. So at the drive-in, you know, any band, you know, all these, and that was one of the things that, about the studio is it had all this classy gear and then all these like dirt bands are coming in to record. He had two, he had like uh, fuzz pedals that, you know, Korn would use that are like custom built. He had like things that people don't have traditionally, but then you're hearing it on this album and that's why you're like, whoa, where am I here? You know, live. It makes sense a lot, so, a lot for this album that we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So you have this band, Mars Volta, walking into this studio that has at the drive-in at the or drive-in. yeah yeah at the drive-in walking into this studio that has all of this really badass equipment vintage equipment and then you're working with the guy the godfather of new Who metal came in and basically turned this indigo ranch into an actual functioning studio yeah, he was bringing in clients like so many clients so many he, sepultura he brought in. Oh. He brought in. Yeah. Let me guess. For a rise, did he do a rise? Nope. Nope. Roots, ah, motherfucker. Roots. He oh, okay, that's the, that's the new metal Boom. one. But when I consider Sepultura, they say, like they a say, rise Roots is, is the, the start. Is where new metal exploded. Like if anything was thinking Fucking that new metal was going to stick around, roots, man. it was him. And some people would say like it started the actual uh, new metal genre. But let's be real. Chaos. We all know it's kind of corn, you know. But, but he also Chaos he also did like hip hop and stuff too. So I mean, he did Vanilla Ice. He did oh, like yeah. He did Soulfly. I mean, this guy he was doing Machine Head, Slipknot. But like, also some pop stars as as well, right? Uh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean, the Vanilla Ice yeah. one. He did I think uh, Biscuit. It looks like Ooh, he yeah, Life is Peachy. He worked with uh, this uh, rapper signed to Easy es Ruthless Records. So he's he's just got like a very eclectic, yeah. his on top of it, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a very well planned out, well fucking versed um, resume. Yes. Uh, yeah, his shit was. Quite, I was like looking through but all the bands, and I just kept scrolling the, the and hi- scrolling. And the scrolling. history of him working there, though, you know, is just tumultuous, and then it caps. And why we're bringing all this up is because it cap it capped off with this album, as yeah. far as his last thing he did at indigo ranch the reason why this album sounds like this is because of all the great equipment available you know the mic you know, i don't know about any of the uh, people that worked on this album in particular but you know about the, the apparent drug use that let him that was like a deterrent and made him kind of walk seems away like an excuse if anything well i mean too many the, people are doing drugs in here I'm i mean like, oh, get them out corn. don't you run the studio but i mean this was when corn was doing their thing you know oh uh, yeah they're speed freaks yeah and then who I don't know what other bands are rolling through. You know what I'm saying? That's probably so, why Jonathan Davis. Uh, but he also not. It wasn't just the bands. Was what he was saying. It was the crew, the whole facility. Even Kaplan, the owner, checked himself into Alcoholics Anonymous. So they we're talking about a facility that is run by party animals. You know I, I mean, mean, it's rock and roll, baby. Yeah. Well, sure. not just that. <laughs> like, if you're yeah. going to have Iggy fucking pop guest star on an album, like it's pretty you crazy. Better yeah. expect that yeah. drugs are coming with. It was the just pop. Ross that brought it. But up I think Ross like, was like, yeah. I don't. I want the crazy like passion and like energy without the drugs. Well, so that's what like, I always felt like I mean, with that. The yeah, drive-in yeah. or like Mars Volta, I definitely felt like you get that vibe. Like they are super purist and they're super purist to the music and they wouldn't want anything like drugs 
or alcohol or anything like that to really affect what they're trying to do on stage. They seem like they're a band that has a message that they want to relay and being fucked up and like, you know, throwing caution to the wind is not the message that they're there to spread. Mm. But I might be wrong. They all might be fucking junkies for all I know. Yeah. No, you're right. We just, we don't really know, but Mm -hmm. uh, it is just very poetic. Last thing he does there. And it's the thing that killed the genre that you brought to life. And 2000. Smashing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I I really wanted to talk about the Iggy Pop thing. I I had like a, um, a quote from Omar, but it was like, wasn't like the best quote. I don't know why they put it in there. We're pretty much asking if like, I think Omar, uh, wanted to work with Iggy on previous albums or something like that. And he, and he brought up the idea to Ross and Ross was like, well, you know, I know Iggy, but I'll talk to him. And Iggy was down. So Iggy came in and just did really just the, uh, the song that we're about to play or next song. Um, uh, because I can't infidate, if infidate, infilade, infilade. Uh, he does like that, you know, that whole talk. It's kind of like the, the black sunshine thing. If, for anyone listening right now, you'll you'll know what Wait, I mean. Wait, he's when it the cashews guy. I mean, walnuts guy. <laughs> Iggy pops the walnuts guy. Walnuts guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> I said black sunshine. No, I'm talking about like, in the song. Yeah, in the beginning. Hello, yeah. Mother Leopard. Yeah, that's Iggy Pop. That's Iggy Pop. <laughs> wow. And he also sung on um, a Rolodex. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that either, man. I was no, just like. It was just like the Danzig thing where it's like Iggy James Pop just has just, that James James yeah. Why is James Hetfield on this stage? Yeah, I didn't Dude, know. The no greatest one ever said that Iggy Pop was gonna be on this. I didn't. Dude, I didn't the realize the greatest of that and like just a band trolling your ass would have to be the Stone Age, like without a doubt, dude. Whenever what was it? Um, like Clockwork? No, like Clockwork got too serious. Was it Air Vulgaris? Where it's just like guest starring Trent Reznor guest starring <laughs> no, all the Arctic no, Monkeys it was like guest clockwork. starring it was like Clockwork had yeah. the most guest stars of any of the but albums but then you look at it and it's yeah. like them clapping in the background or like humming or like oh Tool did that dude, to you too where it's just, just like total all these members are like gonna be on this one track and it's just them in a circle just um um <laughs> and I was like <laughs> So Buzz is on this song, but that's all he does. Like I'm like, God damn it! I really wanted. Huh. Ugh. You hear that buzzing in the background? Yeah, that's Buzz. Yeah, Buzz that's, fucking that, that guitar hum. Buzz okay. That guitar hum. Yeah, that's what you get. That was his amp. So Iggy showed up and did Infilade and the, and the Rolodex uh, Para. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to try. Paradox or something. What is it? Rolodex. Propaganda. Yeah. Propaganda. Uh, looking for the track listings. Yeah. Let's be real, man. After CDs disappeared, like that's Dude. kind of the biggest problem with like goddamn streaming music. And doing this whole thing we're talking about, <laughs> and you bring that up, like doing albums, there's a point where it's like stop with the it's like netflix like watching shows like eight songs is enough god damn it because there's a point where like <laughs> songs were getting put on cds and they were like oh we could have 20 songs instead of just eight because the lp could only hold so much you know what i mean yeah so that there's that point where like dude there's I mean, we're listening to Jimi hendrix and something's like oh these are all like really short albums we can just cram they're, yeah they're and all. Then metallica this one fucking 
every you had po- the, the Manson one that we were like, like look at like twenty fucking songs. We would have stuck with Blu-ray. Well, why? Could you well, imagine? I, I agree with this time. Disc. So like original release, it's forty-five minutes thirty-one seconds. Once they threw on the extra two songs with the re-release or Japanese release, <laughs> we uh, get fifty-three forty-one, which I always feel like an hour or like just under an it hour feel is like- perfect song length. Like. It doesn't feel that tool, long. I don't need to hear fucking um, three-hour epics. Well, I mean, not true, but yeah, I mean, like, are we making Final Fantasy? But I also, I, I also enjoy like a nice like thirty, maybe forty-minute album. You know? Yeah, no, sure. quicker and better. I'm yeah. just saying, up to an hour, anything over an hour, ah, you're pushing my buttons. True, you know. But I mean, how many albums? There's not too many albums that are over an hour. I think. Uh, yeah, that's why I Metallica said tool. was pushing towards it with eight songs <laughs> was it nine songs on that goddamn but uh yeah this is it doesn't huh, wait, feel was very it ride long. the lightning i'm not wait was it injustice for all wait are you talking about wait what? was it master of puppets you just fucking, just fucking um this doesn't feel that long to me i can listen no. to this album like all the way through and it i didn't know an hour has passed by. this album has that fucking get hour. up and go yeah I mean, yeah. again, it was really hard to like pick a, yeah. the songs for this, but like, god damn it, every song, like, name all some of the songs, and I'll tell you how much I fucking love them. Well, you <laughs> wouldn't know the names of the songs. <laughs> yeah. We gotta I, play like, the fucking yeah. song. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love that one. Yeah. Uh, what is this one called again? But <laughs> that's the whole fucking problem with like. I know it by like track listing. Exactly like you're saying. Like, um, I mean, it's really not a problem. I guess, like with. It's a perfect storm for all of this shit to come together and really put out a truly great piece of music, a truly great album, and a whole album, you know? Like, you have a band that's about to dismember after this and go on permanent hiatus. You have a studio that's, you know, had its breaking point. You have Ross Rubin, Ross Robinson, Robinson go through and, like, you know, he's at his wit's end, so, like... You have all these guys that have been, you know, honing their craft for years and years, and they all put it into this, and it all comes out. I, you can almost say fucking flawlessly. Like, this album has that go, dude. You put it on, you can't stop it. You put it on, you don't even realize you're listening to it for an hour before it's over. And then when it is over, you're like, damn, I could put that back on. Like, I just, I find that so interesting whenever albums really have, like, people coming together to put out a piece of art and everybody's working and firing on mm. all cylinders. You know what I mean? Totally agree. It's an album of a lot of lasts. Last Ross Robinson at the studio, last at the drive-in, at least in for a long time. I don't think, I don't think last they were planning on it. But, album yeah. with Jim Ward. You know, just a lot of bookends. Yeah. yeah. So And what a fucking a end it is, right? I mean, yeah. It really is just a, you said, flawless album. Yeah. Look, if I was Robinson, I wouldn't be too fucking sad about hanging my boots up after fucking For killing the genre. But, they- <laughs> but, at, but at first, it, it, it was a slow burn for this. It wasn't like oh, as yeah. soon as this came out, like people were like, holy shit. No. Slamming oh, yeah. fucking hands down. That's, you know? that's yeah. what's crazy. 77 on Metacritic. Yeah. You know? It's one of those albums that grows on you, just like it did with you, but it just continues to grow and build success. But, you know, what, yeah, for 19 years, like yeah. us doing the research behind this, there's been so many people that have went out and like uh, learned like so many YouTube videos of like the history of at the drive-in or like 
how did it, they create that sound? Like these, these are the titles of the videos that you click on. And yeah. Because these people were like, oh, you want to know why this album changed the course of music? Let me break it down a little well, bit. Well, also, you know? more like, to the point the I was making right. was that I feel like the artists and the people that worked on this album, they didn't fucking put this out thinking like, oh, 77 on Metacritic. Like, that's eh, mediocre. It's an album. You know, I feel like all of them knew like, oh, this is something special and it's, oh, this is, you know, this will pass a torch on, this will light the next fire, you know? Like, I feel like every member of this band knows, and the people that worked in the background, they have to know what they did was amazing, despite its initial response, you know, and its initial, you know. I know, I feel like if I recorded this album, I would be weirded out at first too, because again, I think this is my problem with it when I first heard it is that I didn't, I've never heard anything like this before. I've never heard anything like this. So I would be weirded <coughs> out as well. Like, well, that's always the best just, stuff. You know, being like, like you want this new, is, you yeah, want exactly. Different. Like the first time I listened to it, I'm like, I don't even know how I feel. And then the second time I'm like, it's starting to grow. And then the third time you're like, there's, I'm starting to find tracks that I'm in love with. And yeah. then later on, it's just the whole album. Exactly. You know? So you're more song after song after like song. the mass population that listened to this album I, when I, it first yeah, came I out, where I would be more like, you know, one of those people that love this album as soon as I heard it, you know, but time and place for everyone. I meant more sure. like, I feel like all the artists and the people involved with making the album knew it was good. They knew it was something legendary. Yeah. They would say uh, at the drive-in is, uh, like, I don't think what all Robinson had any regrets. Yeah. They would say at the drive-in is what other bands are listening to. Other bands talk about at the drive-in. Other bands listen to at the drive-in. It was like because they're musicians, they could hear that yeah. that the greatness in there, like these nuggets of just pure fucking gold. That's also into an like untrained ear. Fucking, it's, it's just weird. You it's know what such I mean? a great compliment too. You know, like yeah. you hear that, especially in comedy. Well, that's the comedian's comic. You know, yeah. I mean, that's we, a really. You start talking comedy. about those live performances too. Fucking, I'll, I'll get up and do the mic spin right now. You want me to uh, kick it? <laughs> knock <laughs> knock it. the camera yeah. out. That's so fucking violent. I, Dude, you're talking about days Ooh. of Kazaa, like LimeWire. Like yeah. before BitTorrent, before all that shit where it like, you know, you're just on the internet. Like this is like the end of Napster and the beginning of like the full on pirating of everything. And one of the very first things I illegally downloaded, this music video. <laughs> for one arm scissor? Yep. I think it's the only music video they have for Yeah, this which album, is just right? a bunch of fucking uh live clips yeah. cut together. And a bunch of Badass mic spins, bro. Like that Mike dude spins has a fucking jumping off the ground like yeah. fucking ten feet. How I never understood like dude, that. The fucking the two thousands were like a key time for white people high jumping. Like dude, well, <laughs> knees on, against your chest. They go on tour with Rage Against the Machine. Dude, Lincoln every Park. band, it's just them destroy the stage, jumping around, and yeah. then Rage comes out and does the oh, same thing. Oh I'd be exhausted. God. I'd be exhausted seeing that show. Like they were just going all yeah, night. Yeah, they were. Was what like is it? All night. Right before this album was it? They were opening for Rage. No, right after no, they were right done after. recording. Oh, they okay. immediately went on tour after. So it's like getting mixed, mastered, produced, uh, all the whatevers. But yeah, they're just immediately hit. The what door. a because, totally. You know, I don't. I mean, I can see did. like they're the same energy wise, but music wise, it's like totally different. Well, see, uh, I can kind of feel like, the same, but in the guitars. In the guitars and the way and the, the wackiness of guitars and the I and think, the, the weirdness sure. of the I think more styles. like message wise, you know, like they're both bands that are out there with a message to spread, and they're like, what do you think the message the was on this album? This it yeah. goes from there's a lot of it's, different themes in this album. Man. It's like the Trojan horse on the 
like front you have you know yeah, yeah it's more of like you know speaking like for you know people of mexican descent and like you know fucking being you know um you know coyotes fucking um illegal integration and like you know basically just people getting fucked over and like around the same time isn't this when rage dropped um Help me out here, boys. Battle of Los Angeles, I believe they were on the tour for. Oh. Well, I was thinking um, Rodeo Shotgun, People e- of the Evil Sun. Empire? Yes. Thank you. And Evil Empire being like pretty much their last album. Yeah, but that album's themes also have a lot to do with, you know, like... Oppression. Exactly. And like, um, you know, third world countries, like, you know, people trying to get here to live a better life, but the means of which getting here are just so fucking atrocious. And then when you get here, people still treat you like you're an absolute piece of shit. Like it's, it's a very rough world and I feel a lot of relationship of command, just the name of the album alone, the relationship of command and like, you know, the command structures that our government and like society as a whole puts on you. Like everything is just a different form of command, you know, and this album Though not, one of the things I really love about it is it's not fucking ham-handed. It's not hitting you over the head like, you know, oh, look like, at this. Yeah. But if you're believing, if you actually break down and look at these it's lyrics, It's the music man, first that you fall in love with and yeah. then starting to learn the message. And Dude, like, when you're oh. looking into the lyrics, like, there, you can definitely see that, like, the band has a certain philosophy. And, you know, they have something they want to say. And if you want to dig into it and read it and absorb it, then it's there for you. But the album is also so musically evolved and so great. So that dynamic, you so don't, pleasant. You don't so just have to, to listen to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. For me, like, I'm not really the biggest, like, lyricist or, like, diving into someone's uh, lyrics to like understand meaning. I'm obsessed with the way it sounds. I'm yeah. obsessed with the well, I'm the, the words that you use only because completely. of how you sung that word. You know what I mean? And like, I'm more obsessed with that. Uh, but like, I would, I guess, I've always sung some of these lyrics just walking around, and I could just be talking about something. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I'm like dancing on the corpses ashes. I'm like, oh, that's a good jingle, but it's probably like this really dark meaning. <laughs> you know, I'm like, and it makes me happy when I listen to this song, yeah. but. That's weird that the I feel enjoyment for this. Yeah, the that silhouette it's like, of dying. God, yeah, the guillotine just laughs again. That's so weird. I that's uh, I have so much fun with this album. This album makes me hyped up. It puts me in a good mood. But it's a very dark, like depressed kind of themes mm. behind it. Which the music doesn't give you that. No, I mean there's guitar parts. There's there's the, parts in the songs song that, that really starts out really that. slow with the thunder and the ominous sounds in right, the very yeah. beginning. It's like a rainstorm coming. Like that one, that kind of gives you the the feels that something's not right in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I believe that's quarantine. Um, like, uh, ugh, I'm not sure, but like quarantine is another one of those songs where it's like really slow. It's like five minutes long too, and then at the end it just gets fucking insane, blistering. Yeah. So there's every every it is song quarantine. We're, yeah, yeah. Good. Just listen to looking. Yeah, I mean, um, again. Uh, God damn it. Okay, let's just listen to some more songs. Because yeah. I'm like, uh, I want to just go into the bathroom and just bang out a couple of these songs, and I'll be right back, man. It's like a drug. I got to get out of me. 
Uh, what's the song that we're doing since I can't read? Enfilade. So this is definitely my favorite, and yes, you'll definitely hear that Iggy Pop uh, intro. And, and knowing it should that it's be your now. favorite too. Yeah. Too. Too.
Ooh, you should just left it playing. You should have just left it playing. <laughs> so good. Blistering. Uh, my favorite course Where's out of this entire album is probably that course. It's something about it. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But it's the one thing that gets stuck in my head. And it's they're creepy ass lyrics. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, tire up on railroad tracks. Uh, freight freight trains coming. Freight freight freight. I can't even say it like how he does freight it. Freight trains coming. Yeah. It's like some evil villain shit, you know, like twirling your mustache and like having someone tied up on the railroad tracks waiting for the train to come. Like Me and Chris fucking were Western. Just trying to talk about some of the themes and lyrics on that song. And a lot of them, you know, it's kind of weird that you have Iggy Pop on there doing that, you know. You're talking about drug abuse, you're talking about, you know, child slavery, you're talking about people being kidnapped for ransom, you know, that's that's a lot of that, especially like freight trains coming, you know. Like, yeah, well, like you were saying before, the this is the time where like note. it's not really, not a lot of good stuff is happening in Mexico right now. Yeah, cartels like taken over like control of most of, most of fucking Mexico at this time. I mean, I'm not educated too far into that, but them being Hispanic descent, uh, being from El Paso, living in Texas, you know, we have a lot of that culture in Texas. We, th- how often do you guys eat tacos? Let me ask you that. Every day I do. Do you? I eat tacos every day. Like, there's always a taco stand somewhere. You know what I mean? I prefer cheesy gordita crunch, okay? Let's be real. <laughs> I like white taco. No. Taco Bell taco? Just, like, down our street alone, like, there is a Taco Bell, but across the street, there is so many different, like, taco trucks. Like, five of them. Or just Mexican restaurants. Yeah. No, Mexican well, restaurants. Well, when anybody <laughs> ever comes here, like, there's, like, three regardless, like, one of the very first places I take someone that's like, oh, I want some good food, I take them to that fucking taco truck. And mm-hmm. always get those shifty eye looks like, am I going to get sick eating here? I'm like, you're a bad person. This is excellent food. <laughs> yeah. Do True not care. mind the cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. That's flavor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, I, you can like see how they would be, about. be talking about some of those things in this album. And um, I think the, the, they've always gone out on record and talked about like, what they believe in and stuff and some of the themes to their songs. And I know a lot of that transferred still over to the Mars Volta as well. Yeah. Much yeah. more. I feel like the Mars Volta and like the after drive would have been, would have become more Mars Volta I, in my mind, you know, yeah. these two guys are like just so strong as like a lot of musicians. their lyricisms and like a lot of their, a lot of their message is also shrouded and like, you know, it's confusing, but, the world is confusing, you know? Things well, it's aren't not straightforward black and white. either, yeah. Exactly. Besides, Things these are aren't poems, black and white, if you will. And it's not fucking, it shouldn't be fucking super ham handed. Like, someone's being over the head. Like, as much as I love System of a Down and some of those albums, like, a lot of their messages come off as very in your fucking face, ham handed. Like, you know, science, you know? That I mean, song. I can kind of see what you were saying on that. Like, um, it's weird because I would definitely, if we were talking about a band to compare them to, I was like, well, System of a Down would be a really good comparison to have yeah. to drive in as well because, again, wacky vocals, wacky guitar, and just a fucking blistering fucking rhythm section. Yeah, you know also I mean? the political systems drawing from all different genres. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons you can make between Have to Drive In and System of a Down. But I just but feel that's like why we're, they, they are a punk rock band in yeah. essence, right? Well, so would, it's always that know, political driven theme, you know? Yeah. It's always. I mean, but they I just invented I guess the, I'm a I'm a guy that likes you know, a little nuance in his lyrics. You know? No, yeah, like kind of hide, you know, um, I'm forgetting the word that it would be, but, you know, they did that back in the day when there was laws against the things that you could sing about. 
so they would just make up things like uh, uh are you talking about bob dylan yeah exactly i'm talking about bob dylan i'm talking <laughs> about so many songs that just have like secret under nine tones you know i mean uh, i guess lucy in the sky with diamonds is a great example that's total bullshit Okay, well, you know, drugs. Well, we <laughs> drugs. Just, you you okay. weren't allowed to talk about stuff like that on albums back in the day, and it was so weird because how did that ever get passed because of freedom of speech, right? You should be able to say any fucking goddamn well, thing that you want. What's the lyric I'm thinking of from The is. Doors? It's always radio edited. Oh, hi. Yeah. Like, that's still... That's a breach you, of freedom of speech. You it's want to talk edited about, on the like, radio. You want to talk about, like, always following, like, these ten fucking things that we were founded on as a country... But you're always willing to throw freedom of speech the fuck out of there whenever it doesn't condone to you. But always the right to bear arms is always like where you're going to hold stance against. I was hey, like, buddy. Freedom isn't free. It takes folks like you and me. Yeah. It's an idea. It's a concept. A bunch of geniuses created in a bar one night drinking. And we're still trying to figure it out. Wait. You mean at home fucking their children sex slaves, right? No, I don't think. No, I was talking... I'm not... What? I'm talking about the Founding Fathers. What the fuck are you... What? Oh, I thought that's what we were talking about. Founding Fathers. Yeah, I don't, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can see where a lot of these themes come from. Uh, obviously, we could talk about that all day. They are very deep and a very smart... They're all smart people. Like, But, you know, like... Fucking Cedric is has this weird, wacky mindset of like having to go upon things, and then Omar always has a weird way of setting up a song, and it always has to be this way. You know what I mean? Brilliant. I feel like he just always gives out sheet music when he comes in. I feel like an album. He's like, "This is what you're playing, and this is what you're playing." Yeah. Because he's like, "We'll also sit there and work with and each person in the band, and like really lay down his vision, his focus. Like he would be the only one I could truly think of, other than like a few other artists that like." Say, okay, so if Beethoven was alive today, like, that's the kind of shit he would be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like, the orchestra would be gone. He'd be sitting there working with, you know, incredibly talented talented people. Yeah. Yeah. He's born with talent. Like, one of those people that can hear and see a song fully developed in his mind without having to, you know, go in there and, like, figure it out first and then get to it. You know, that's how I, I always had that feeling from him. Have you ever watched any of their live stuff? Not so much the drive-in, but Volta. You really see that come across. Like, the man's insane. Insanely, insanely talented. Yeah, like, it's just really... I, love him. Anything, love him. anything that they write about him, like guitar-wise or musician-wise, like, I always love reading it. It's just so weird. They're always sandwiched together. You don't really talk about the one without the other. And then they had that weird falling out in, like, what, 2008? A lot of solo albums now. No, that's not cool. But at the drive-in coming back together uh, now and still, like, doing it. So they're just reunited. They're not saying it was just a one-off thing. So Mm. it's at the drive-in we still got. Because let's get into a little bit of breaking up. Because one of the things that you said when you were just talking there, um, you, you start to realize, oh, think how Omar is. Think about how he writes. Think about everyone else in this band being that same person. And having a five-headed fucking Hydra is so hard to control a band like that. That's why great bands don't last for more than a couple albums. Because of just, like, it's hard to get these people to agree, yeah. for God's sakes. Because they all have a vision. They're going to keep changing things, or they're just going to keep adding too much. When we all know, when it comes down, like, how do you write a really good song? Simple. 18 minutes. It's you write it in 18 minutes. You don't overthink. You don't yeah. 
dive in. And when you start pulling shit apart, it turns into this thing that when you when you get back and you look at what you've done, it's nothing of where you even started in the idea that you had before. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, in my theory, is it's a lot to do with that. Like, all these people, especially, like, there was already... We know now that there was conflict between Jim and Omar. And, you know, Sparta has its own fucking style because of that reason. It's just yeah, going well, off and doing what you wanted to do, right? About going through and changing stuff, that's a real interesting concept to, like, think about. Because, like you were saying earlier, with the amount of tracks that were coming out on albums and stuff like that, and, you know, just look at like the Beatles for example and it doesn't even go so much as like compact discs and like you know just epic long albums but like the real problem started like back in the day after they made 8 track recorder like after 8 track when you get 16s 32s like started to take away from feel exactly or you have musicians that are now just studio artists because what they did they cannot play live like dude what was it after after Sgt. Pepper's, the Beatles stopped being a touring band. And, like, a lot of people just like to think that it's, you know, more about the the success and, like, how famous they were. But I think a lot of that has to do with, like, they're not able to play these songs live. You don't need a yeah. whole team of people you need to play this people. Off. Yeah, exactly. Which becomes, like, it's... You know, Corn always had them hidden in the background, but there's. I mean, look at for the, every band you can ever like, possibly think the of, Beach there Boys. is another guy in the background. Very so five so. guy or five six guys is like the the photo, but yeah. then you go see the band and it's like a whole fucking well, orchestra, sounds, percussionists, damn. drummers, multiple guitar <laughs> yeah. player. You know, there's. I'd say like do what's inside your heart, what's inside your mind in the studio without yeah. thinking about well, how am I going to do this live. That's figure a great that point out to out have. Like figure that shit out when afterwards. you have like artists that are coming out and just doing very simple, very straightforward stuff that you can tell they just, you know, did very quickly instead of like sat there and picked apart and like went over it, you know, uh, just fucking every little thing, like changing this, changing that we're doing this, we're doing that. And it's almost like the more freedom that people have in studio takes away from a lot of what actually comes out from it's, the studio well, it's a give and take process because yeah really going through with a fine tooth and being that type of genius to really come up with something that's amazing is not a wrong way to go upon it no but no but it's just a different it right way away, like go in there and they probably just like nail Some bands, out these maybe songs, it's just you know not I mean? that's not their yeah. way yeah yeah they probably would you know like catacombs on this album probably just went in there and he's like hey i got this riff and they well, all whole, started playing they're like weeks, boom done this whole thing's done so like and how, how many 13 songs yeah and that's what and i meant more songs about like done Beethoven. in seven weeks an hour of music and you know but you know this studio also part of its controversy and downfall is like when it was pumping out things you had people working non-stop like not sleeping pushing oh, people wow. to the end like engineers are coming in and out fixing huh. the console as that's you're having to you know what i mean like yeah you're just being overworked as a not even the musicians the actual behind the scenes guys are like Oh, musicians go home for the day. I'm going to stay here and mix for the next. Fucking yeah, and when you guys show up tomorrow, yeah. I'll go home. And then, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to go or, home. And then, you know, whoever, may, assistant engineers the, coming in here to record the net, you know. Yeah. This so sounds just, like such a good album to where I really feel like <laughs> they were trying to make an album this great. But I really think, uh, I don't think they had a lot of fun doing it because it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of yourself. It takes a lot of energy. And by the end of it, you don't even know what is right and wrong. Oh, and for you just sure. don't even give a fuck about this album anymore. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is even talk about this, you know? Yeah, but the album being recorded in get seven that weeks. Out. Get that out. And like I mean? how Omar Rodriguez Lopez is and like how I see him 
like I said, like a Beethoven type of person that like fully has everything structured out. That's what, how I thought it. That's the only way that I could even think. Well, that something like this Robinson yeah. really got just recorded in seven well. weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had no knowledge about that. Like that was all news to me. And like, that's pops super there, probably like you know, the whole indigo on cheering people up, telling Joe not wearing a shirt. <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> dude, in the back, laying down, shooting up. You know, Iggy Pop stuff. He's having fun. He's encouraging everyone to do the best performance because I'm Iggy Pop. Yeah, and suck his dick yeah. and put some needles in your veins. Yeah, you're gonna make a better album than my Stooges album. What was that album called? <laughs> just Stooges? Is, is it just Stooges? Yeah. Well, that uh, album from start to finish like is one one. of those albums that were like, yep. Put that in the top 500. God damn, top y'all need 100. to do that. Whoa, Whenever we get to it, baby. Whenever we get to it. As long as we can keep doing this and we don't get sued by... Um, Conan O'Brien? Well, by um, At The Drive-In, actually. Oh. <laughs> For this episode. Uh, the uh, Conan O'Brien one is... Uh, their live performance is another one I watch all the time. Damn right. Yeah, it's 2001 as well. So he's just like fucking kicking up legs and shit. Yeah. And even Conan was just like, it was the first time I've ever heard this band and he was like, holy shit. Dude, they they also did Letterman at this time and like... They sounded amazing too. For this band to like go out and do those kind of like... The way Late they night. sound and what they, yeah, yeah, that's that shows like a huge flux and change in the music genre. And then like, you know, in today's day, like you see fucking Slayer on there doing yeah. Rain and Blood and you're like, whoa. Yeah, that's like, true. Back then it was very, very well, Conan like, always has a very music. wide variety. Conan's yeah. always well, been that guy. Letterman also has oh, incredible. Oh, yeah, Letterman as well. I mean, yeah. Dude, dude. But Kimmel nowadays, I mean, he's having Deftones and like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Modern well, bands. that's why it just kind of opened the like, floodgates for all that. I guess whoever's coming out with an Slip, album that Slipknot, has success. That new Slipknot you know? was on I do Kimmel. a show every night of the week. I need a band every night, yeah. you know? So. Well, I mean, God, come on, Slipknot dude. There's, in the studio. there's 100 million fucking pop artists out no, there. No, they weren't. A, I mean, there's 25 Ariana Grandes for I don't get how football only uses like country and pop. I'm well, like, give me I'm, some metal when guys are getting hit. <laughs> I want something to help. You know? It's funny. That's the tone. It's funny, you know how, like, in thinking about it, the way they set late night stages up, where, yeah, it's not in the studio. Like, Kimmel's is on a stage out Outside, back with, like, yeah. a real legit stage. Yeah. With big all. Well, they ripped that off from David Letterman, though. But, I mean, and then you have Letterman, but then you have other ones where it's, like, the there's, like, a smaller venue. Like, it's even a more intimate setting, like... I can't even remember uh, who did that one. Was Conan just always right there, though, right? It's just like... A lot of them were. I was just sitting right beside him. It was Letterman. Letterman opened up all that shit. Like, if you can say anything about David Letterman, he had the best musical guests, got some of the best performances. Like, the one that always comes to mind for me is the Beastie Boys, where they start out walking down the fucking boulevard, Mm -hmm. and then they walk into the studio and finish it up. Or whenever they got on their full instruments and played fucking Sabotage, man. Or whenever they had the whole like week of nothing but music, and they did the whole stage outside on the roof, and like God damn, dude, David Letterman had some great fucking musical acts, and it's nice to know that at the driving got some fucking and it, sunshine. And it, from what that. it was was those like uh, live air performances that really people were like at home for the first time. Millions of people around America is just like. Who is this? And just getting blown away by one arm scissor, dude. Just that that song wrecks. Every song on here wrecks, huh. but that one really wrecks shop when it comes yeah. to like gathering, taking someone's attention away from something. You put on that song. It's Everyone will turn their heads and be like, "Oh yeah, poetic." You know, when you think about the lyrical content. Yeah, there's a lot of transmission in this band in their history. It feels like you know. Oh what I mean? yeah. So uh, that's just such a wacky thing. Um, but you're saying the demise of the drive-in. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, I mean, so that was one of the things was that all these people are geniuses and it's hard to hold together this band. Yeah. Another is the album becoming so popular that it's like literally causing a lot of like turmoil on the bands. It's now you're constantly having to tour. You're constantly having to do interviews. You're constantly doing those live performances because the record label is going to push, push, push. Let's keep it going because you can't stop. Yeah. Once you stop, the momentum stops for this and you can't because in this day and age, shit can turn around like at any point. This could be a month and then someone's talking about something else. Push, 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 go on tour. Flavor Around the, the goddamn world that they went. Like Europe. Did they do world tour for Asia. this album? Yes. It was pretty insane. And just like, I think really I'm guessing just, that was their first yeah. world tour? Yeah. Did they tour with Rage? For, that was the world tour? No, I don't believe. I just think they were on Rage's oh. tour and then just kept on going. And, and then they, they just did kept their on. Own... They just branch off. So branch that was, off, joined without them, a doubt, that was yeah. their first world tour yeah. as a headliner. And like some of the stuff is crazy because like in two thousand and uh, just in two thousand, like in November twelfth, uh, they were involved in a, a a car accident where their bus hit black ice, just like this Metallica shit, yeah. and fucking flipped over and just spun out of control. But no one was hurt. That's crazy. So that's another thing. And like you have, loss? yeah. Uh, who cares? But uh, I mean, they didn't say. Um, but no one was actually hurt. But you got to think that kind of shook you up too, because that was the tragic stories you've always heard when you're yeah. a musician, and then Fucking you just went tones. through one, and then yes, the, like the death tones things, man, nothing happened to you. And then um, another incident being in Australia on one of their shows. Um, uh, let me see if I can just get the name. It's called. Big Day Out Music Festival. Mm. And the crowd was going insane. And um, Cedric stopped the show and was like, hey, everyone needs to calm down and respect the rules of moshing. Uh, which is like, as I tell the story, it's like, how bad was it? So they were flipping out so hard that he was Whoa. like, hey, you need to stop. You need to stop. And then after the crowd refusal, like fucking Cedric goes like full blown, like smart, like rants of just saying like, you people are robots, you people are sheep, you people are robots and just belting out and screaming in their face. And then the band just left as he's still screaming at the audience and then he fucking leaves. And then they cancel every show after that. Wow. Yeah. So and it was just like was it I think like it was just actual just mosh pitting or was it like sexual assaults Which, going on? No, I think because like, I always throwing, respect an I think what it is is that they're that throwing shit, stuff you know? at them. People oh. are getting wrecked on that railing. Fucking security. Everything's going too chaotic to where they're like easy. Someone's it really gonna not, get hurt. Someone's yeah. really gonna get hurt. So the venue was yeah. not in control of the situation at all. It was a music festival, so you got to think it's outside. They have a security team, and it's just yeah. Like, but I'm you said in Europe, right? This was in Australia. Australia. Okay. So you got to think those people, right? I like some of those fucking think that European be, yeah. ones are like the largest concerts and largest festivals mm -hmm. ever. Like, yeah. what was it Pink Pop? But they were like in Sydney, Australia, and it was just like one of those, I guess, one of those big, yeah, Pink Pop like things, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But and I, yeah, usually just, those things are well, you know, organized and they have. But you know, sometimes you know, shit does go wrong. Always. Like fucking, someone died at a fucking Pearl Jam concert. So things can go wrong even when we're not talking about something as crazy Dude. as the Mars Volta. And the way they act Woodstock on stage. 99. Will. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Being a performance, being on stage, being that uh, performer, if I'm doing something that's very, like, very musical and we're all just kind of like having to really focus on our parts and we're not flipping out on stage, the crowd doesn't either. But if we're on stage and we're flipping out, it makes the crowd flip out. And talking about their live stage performance is as violent as fucking possible because they would trash sets at times too. Yeah. You can see they were really pulling that fucking anger out of people. And yeah, they're like, give and take energy. Calm down. Yeah. 
And just, uh, yeah, like I really think they were saying they canceled because they were exhausted and everything. And then a couple months later announced that they were breaking up. But because I really think they wanted to stop this before it happened to, like, the same thing happened to them that happened to bands prior. You know what I mean? Like, like Nirvana. And now I gotta always play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Or what, what, what happens when we go in for our next album? What are the, what's the record label going to tell us? You're like, no, 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 we need more one-armed scissor. We need more of, you know, relationship of community, which I guarantee if they went back in the studio, they wouldn't have done this again. They would have done something weird. Command? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, whatever. Well, I thought that was yeah, a song. Dude, but, you know, I mean, like, I really think that's where their heads were at, too, because they don't want to be held to this. This is too good. This is so good that it, like, thank God this wasn't their first album, because this would be the end. The you know what I mean? Yeah. That's but always super scary when you see people, a like young you kid like mm -hmm. blow the fuck up out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh it shit!" It has to be scary for the band too, because what do you do on that follow up album? And if that follow up album doesn't really take, yeah. Oh, and I mean, that could either be a fans. good or a bad thing. Like if you have a but tight neck group on of tour. friends, and you know you're in a band, at least some of y'all can like try to share some of like the forces. But like when you have a front man that's just singled out, i.e., fucking Nirvana. You know, or if it's nowadays, it's just these young fucking kids that, you know, like I keep a fucking close eye on Billie Eilish because that girl is going through life changing events right now. And it takes a special kind of someone to fucking be able to deal with that immense True. pressures, yeah. you know. I mean, we were talking about that prior just with like a random conversation of the Macaulay Culkin thing. Yeah, just like exactly. retiring when he was 12. You know what I mean? But dude, and like, I feel like it, the peak of their they popularity. Pulled Macaulay Culkin. They pulled in Macaulay Culkin when they were like, all right, peak my popularity, done. Snap it off. Yeah. And it was Walk right before away. they were going to start their U.S. tour. You know that? Their U.S. headlining tour. Hmm. Son of a bitch. Yeah. That, hmm. It's, um, I, I, so this, this is my, why I think they did what they did, why they broke up. And then in 2012, getting to back together just for a few festivals, I really think they, they were like, fuck, I missed this. I missed this. And then getting together and actually releasing another album, 2017, like regaining, reuniting in 2016. And by 2017, pulling out that, I don't know the name of that, Intel, like, uh, whatever the fuck, their newest album. Uh, because I think nowadays bands can play by their own rules. Yeah, yeah. you don't make ins like the music industry is not like this huge pumped up yeah. like cocaine flying jets into the like end of that piles shit of. Too. They're right. right at the very peak and the very end yeah, of it, before the, Napster the and all that shit yeah. broke out. And besides, that's going to change that's everything, That's a really right? good point. So now we're already figuring it out. So they can just produce the album themselves. They can... They can literally get the album out to other people without mm -hmm. having uh, someone like a distributor. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't, Dude, need, they don't have to play by anyone's rules anymore. They could just do what they've always wanted. Well, and even if the fans don't like it, it doesn't matter. They're still well successful and made plenty of money in their careers to yeah. not care if this doesn't sell. Well, Make something good. I didn't know this at all. Is that uh, Rodriguez Lopez in an interview himself said after a non... Well, this was their words on why the band was breaking up in their infinite hiatus was after nonstop six-year cycle of record touring, record yeah. tour, we're going on infinite hiatus. We need time to rest, reevaluate, to just be human beings again and decide when we feel like playing music again. Yeah. So like, that's how I kind of feel. Well, yeah. You know, I, mean, I think I'm dead on with that. That's this. pretty goddamn clear. Like, you know, you did something you love so much 
to where it's a burden and to where it's people it's are just not keep fun. asking from you for yeah. it. Now. And you're and like, it's not, not fun not anymore. And you are fucking burnt out on you. And you are burnt out on your art. That's yeah, that, I see a lot of bands go out like that. True. But backing up a bit it's hard. for what I was saying about the drug use, apparently I was incredibly wrong and uh, it looks like based on bullshit on the internet that Cedric and Omar both had drug problems, but it looks like they were the only one. It doesn't say. It does not say. It says that that might be... Maybe they love speed, too. Like, after... Methamphetamines. Yeah. Well, I could see that, but I mean... It's like a musician's drug, in my opinion. It's like, keep me going, you know? Especially on tour, when there's hard days where I'm tired. (laughs) It's that working man's (laughs) drug, man. Blue collar. Blue collar crank. I can totally see that. Um, Oh, so they're kind of like recovering... Is that what they said? They're like it doesn't say. It just says that that they never was seemed like they had a drug problem because yeah, I've that's never what heard I of felt. any incidences of them not coming out and playing a show because they were too fucked up. Yeah, you know what I mean, or got too drunk. Like, but it looks like really Cedric actually took responsibility for the breakup, saying repeatedly in interviews that he felt almost as if at the drive-in was holding him back, and that he didn't want his music to be confined to punk or hardcore or any genre of the sort. I believe that's the mindset he put himself in when they broke up. It was like, this is, you know, I want to be able to branch out and do more things, and I don't want to be confined as well. Because the Mars Volta is definitely what he is saying that he wanted yeah. to go do. Balls to the fucking wall. But it doesn't mean, this. yeah, it, it, it's still kind of like a, an excuse because it's it's multiple things of why they broke up. It wasn't just because you wanted to go create something new. You could have already done that in between, but you can't when you have a band that's successful and is pushed to go on tour for years at a time. And then what? Right back to the studio, bitch. You know, what yeah. I mean? you're not gonna be let up, and being owned by the fucking record label too, it's like that fucking sucks. So you don't Regardless, get to play by your rules, you know. And these are people that will not play by someone else's rules. Yeah, that that they were very strong, opinionated people. I know, like even um, Omar, man, it's just like they ran through people so hard is because of how he is and just yeah. like he wants it this way you know and it's just his like, way or the fucking highway <laughs> and that's why they always had different drummers i thought because the drummers probably just getting mad so they're like all right i'm gonna call the other guy because it was really just three drummers that rotated yeah in Mars Volta. amazing and amazing they still drummers. rotate each other's like work nowadays like going into draft tongue orchestra it's both of those drummers from the Mars Volta switching Queens of stone off. age one day is a lion yeah, fucking, switching, they just always helping <laughs> yeah Dude, those drummers are some of the most amazing drummers ever. Like, but really setting a standard of like. Fucking regardless work. of what happened or why they took their break, they are back now, so we can be thankful. But and hopefully we can go see them. Luckily enough, we were left with such a great piece of art, such a great piece of music. You know, a genre-defining moment, a genre-killing moment, and the end to a incredible studio career for. Ross and the end of the um, Jim Ward being in the band. There you go. And also, you know, like Chris was saying, it's just, it's a very nice book ending. And like, you guys ever had like one of those uh, stupid like challenges on Facebook where it's like, for 10 days, post your favorite album. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ice Bucket. No, it was like, you know, for 10 days, post your favorite album. And I, this me, album, yeah, I, all 10 days? No, I, I, put, I put this one on there with like a bunch of other shit because I've, I have like this wide variety of, you know, music. Um, but when I did this, when I posted this on my Facebook, I was like, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. I've never had so many likes or comments on anything I've ever put on my Facebook. And it was people just like, hell yeah, mine too. This album changed everything. I fucking love this. And it was just like, 
constant just feedback. Just me putting the fucking cover of the album. Mm-hmm. I didn't even play a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just fucking meh, immediately fucking love it. Well, it's uh, definitely widespread and like it's I a cult feel, classic. Yeah, know? that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And you know, I feel like anybody that likes or doesn't like Mars Volta. They all owe it to this album, and any of those people have heard this album or at least know the singles from it, you know? So, yeah, every, I think good. everyone's heard One Arm Scissor. It's just one of those songs that won't leave you alone still to this day. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the reason why we didn't play it in this episode. We're not ending on it. <laughs> yeah. But because we didn't want to do that one because there's so many other good songs, and we, we think you, as the listener, should experience these songs as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, any last words, Chris? Like, any. Last hurrahs, like no, just cheering uh, up yet? <laughs> yeah, just I fucking love this album so much. Yeah, it's, it's a just, good album. I'm just listen crying to because I'm happy. I would go through the whole thing and see what your favorite tracks are because some of mine are you know towards the end, not even. Oh, extracurricular good. catacombs. Yeah. yeah, so fucking good. The but, last songs, it just builds. It gets better from beginning to end. Yeah, like there's sleepwalk, not a good sleepwalker capsule. Like I'm really over. obsessed with that song. There's not a song I'm not obsessed with on yeah. this. There's always been a time where, like, oh, this week, or, like, right now, this is my favorite song off the album. Exactly. And that will change as, you know, We've had a many on. a late-night conversation about that exact same thing. Yeah, that there's just this one song that just won't leave you alone. It, it keeps following you around and keeps in your head. It's, it's, they, they have perfect earworms. <laughs> perfect. The, it's just one little part of the song, too, that won't leave you alone. It's just a hook. It just got right up in you. And it's just too goddamn good because it's they finally had someone to betray the sound that they were trying to make and they could do it live for sure but to try to record they've always just just missed the mark a little bit but having the right people behind them to get this sound on a fucking reel on the fucking mixer i mean we got it you know what i mean we yeah. had the right people it was the right time like thank god fuck we got it i that's probably what they said after we did the last song and finished up that last mix and Tate rolled over. It's like, we did it. We got it. And it's yeah. just like, oh, thank God. Now I can just go back to having like the original tour time. No. So get out there and do it. Yeah. But I mean, if I had anything last to say, man, if you haven't heard the album, fucking go listen to it. Just if don't, you don't turn off own this it, podcast. Go man. fucking buy it. You know, it is fucking 19 years old. How many years old is it? 19. Yeah. 19 years old. So next year would be a really big turning point for this. Yeah. Two decades. a successful and incredible album. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. Fucking broaden your horizons, because that's exactly (laughs) what this album has done for many, many people. It shows you a new path and a different way to look at things. So enjoy it. I hope you all love the album. That's it for me. All right. Well, let's end down extracurricular. Couldn't pick whether it would be catacombs or extracurricular, but you guys said that, and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna find like, <laughs> I'm not gonna just do this to myself and destroy my head. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for listening so much. Uh, please follow us on all the things: Instagram at Bangover Productions, uh, the uh, Facebook page is at Bangover Productions, and uh, uh, of course we have a YouTube page. It's at Bangover Productions. It's all very self-explanatory, and you can find our podcast anywhere and all the fucking things like subscribe please thank you and um let us know some of the albums that you would like for us to hear in the comments because that'd be fun you know but let's do it let's end it extracurricular get ready folks